bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit, uh, uh, this shit is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, this shit is Trumpanas, T-R-U-M-P-A-N-A-N-A-S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in politics like we're talking about reality TV. And you know what, Meow Meow? What? Lately, talking about politics like we're talking about reality TV has like slightly backfired a bit. (laughs) It turns out that discussing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders, like they're Lisa Vanderpump and Kyle Richards getting on our nerves with their attitudes. (laughs) Um, Like, really kosh with the peeps? Like, I think that, I guess, people take politics more personally than reality tv apparently which if we're being honest mm -hmm. it really isn't more personal but i will respect the fact that people take it more personally but it really isn't if you think about it we don't have the full story of what's going on right a lot of it is very produced a lot of what we hear is very produced Mm -hmm. and you do go off of um like when you watch like Lisa Vanderpump or Kyle Richards or whatever, you're seeing a scene and you're like, God, she's being such a bitch. Or like, <laughs> yeah. why is she acting like that? And then the next minute you're like, oh, God, I love her right. saying that. Oh, she just killed it with that. Yeah. And like, that's kind of like what we're doing and what we were feeling with AOC and Byrne. Yeah, you're just getting every, it doesn't matter who it is. We're no, getting well, everything no. we get from TV. Right. We're getting whatever edited version. We're not sitting here watching C-SPAN in like, right. you know, the bifocals, like mm-hmm. being like, okay, I see what somebody's really like. Right. You know, we're getting an edited version and we're kind of just, you know, going off like, you know, the gay dumbasses that we are. Well, and also it's okay. I just want, I feel that it's possible to like, like someone's message for the most part and sometimes be annoyed by them. You well, know what I mean? of course. That's how or, we have Or that to they're be. annoying or that they're acting shitty or whatever it doesn't mean that we don't agree or necessarily fully or whatever but like you know well that said um we are going to keep it in mind that you know people take politics more personally than reality tv Mm -hmm. um and we also are looking now officially for someone to take us to bernie skew yes um because every time we are dismissive uh or like casually critical of bernie sanders or someone such as one yeah. of our 14 listeners gets pissed at us. Uh, um, it probably changes probably who, which one of them gets mad. But um, we're trying to open ourselves up to learning and having someone on who can give Bernie a fair shake. Because I think we haven't been doing that. Okay. And that's not cool. So um, we we want to have someone on. So if you guys um, know anyone who's good, all you have to do is be a fan. We don't need some kind of full expert. No. We're not experts on Elizabeth Warren or anyone that we, right. you know, stand. Right. Um, we're just not an, a big enough of a Bernie fan to give him a fair shake, apparently, because we're we are being critical. Right. And casually dismissive at times. 
That is so that's true. So we want someone to come on and be like, no, man, like who's pumped on him. So he gets his fair shake on dumb gay politics because he deserves right. it. That's true. He does. And I know I've talked to people who are like, oh, I just don't like Elizabeth Warren. I'm like, why? Yeah. And we're like, OK, what is your problem? Yeah. And so that's why then somebody thinks like when I'm like, I don't really I'm just like not into him. He doesn't do it for me. They're probably like, why? What's your yeah. problem? So give us the give us the deal. Tell us how you love him and how you know why you why you stand. So yeah. if you want to if you know someone or it's you and again, we don't need an expert, um, please don't, you know, wear a mouth guard or braces or a headgear we need the clear (laughs) or if you're in town maybe we meet up with you if not you call in right but you'll send us a message at www.julianbrandy.com you can go to our website buy a t-shirt and then leave us a message that you want to take us to bernie skew Uh um or you can send us a message through our patreon page www.patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and if you don't know about the Patreon page, you should get over there right now because we do two extra podcasts that do not at all talk about politics and there's no ads. Yep. Sign up while you're there and then send us a message about how you want to take us to Bernie School. You can sign up for one podcast for $1 or you can get two podcasts a week for $2. That's correct. And you can also let us know if you're interested, anyone else, should we move this podcast to Thursday? We've been tossing <laughs> that around for the last... 10 or 15 minutes yeah. before this started <laughs> I know we were, we were thinking like maybe we need to do it on Thursday because then the news we could really maybe we wouldn't miss the debates because they're always like on a Tuesday or Wednesday yeah because we end up not talking about news that happened on a Tuesday right Wednesday Thursday or Friday and then we pretty much talk about just the news that happened on Monday right so we're wondering if we should maybe move this to Thursday but just and we're having some exciting transitions with the podcast coming up we're trying to like hustle up some transitions so right. that could be part of our transition that's true this summer that's true so give us some feedback on that if you guys feel like thursday we would get we'd be able to cover more stuff or get you know the news or whatever yeah, yeah. um we do want to thank our board of directors we should let our board of directors decide you know what that's a good idea board of directors <laughs> you must meet and let us know what you think um the executive board is probably not even listening. Probably not. The executive board includes Leah Black, John Tippins, Chris Lay Hip, Jason Moss, and Renee Soto. Um, I don't think any of them are listening. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Because they're so executive-y. They're just busy. They're on their, they're on their jets. Right. They've got their 17 other companies. Right. They're meeting with Elon Musk. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've got um, Barbara Corcoran. Right. In the back. And they've got Lori Grenier. They're do- doing a deal on like, you know, smart water, vitamin right. water. Right. Acai. Right. That. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we are general board of directors. A tad bit more down to earth, yet still mm-hmm. rich. I think they're more salt of the earth. Yeah. Yet still wealthy and business people. They might weigh in okay so let's who's on there who's on our general board our general board is made up of matt <laughs> matt he goes by one name he's like okay. madonna okay matt <laughs> mary joe Magniscus, max r amanda klein ashley twett andre divine jesse robles jeremy heard mckinney and brandy's mom pam howard not a business person <laughs> but she's got some great ideas she's got some great i'm ideas. sure she's going into debt to be on the board that uh-huh. is what is required of Pam. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. C E F O O O E. 
So if yes. you guys want to, you know, your opinion does count more than everyone else in the 14. Right. <laughs> because, uh, because you are investing more in the company. Right. Exactly. So when you invest more in the company, when you're the board of directors, then you get more of a say. That's just how it goes. Now, the other shareholders certainly have a voice, but not as big of a voice yeah. as when you are on the executive board. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. So let us know. I mean, these are just ideas we're tossing around. Yeah. We don't, you know, because we're about to shake it up here at Dumb Gay Politics. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um it won't really affect anyone who's listening, but we are making some moves. Well, it will affect if we move to Thursday. Oh, that's true. So we want to hear. I'm sure some people are going to be like, good. You'll finally talk about things we care about that happened during the week. <laughs> right. So if that's important to you, let us know. Because we, um, in our time of transition, uh, where I'm physically moving, we're moving and making moves with the podcast. Like things are in transition. It's good. But we do leave them all week to listen to it when it comes out on Tuesdays. Whereas if it comes out on Thursdays, that really leaves them Friday. Mm -hmm. And in which case, well, that leaves them Thursday and Friday. Right. So for the people who take a big weekend, to me, this seems more like a weekday podcast. Yeah. And the Patreon seems more like a weekend vibe. That's true. But. It's a good point. You know. Well, when we hear from the board of directors, they'll. They'll let us know what they think. You know what I mean? Yeah. And feel free if you're just a sh common shareholder. Yeah. You're just a general 14. Mm -hmm. We still want to hear from you, too. Yeah, we do. We, do. we want to hear from everyone. Everyone's voice deserves to be heard because <laughs> everyone's uh, everyone is boobs and all. All of our boobs, boobs are, are okay. Are okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all of our boobs are, are okay. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's get to I the shit storm. I thought you stopped that. I didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get to Eye of the Shitstorm. You take some shit, put it up on the wall, check it out for a while. You take that shit up off of the wall, put it down on the floor in a glass bowl. You take some fuck, put it up on the wall with the shit. This week, quote unquote, real journalists are focusing on protests in Hong Kong, the nuclear drama in Iran or Iran or Iran. Um... The upcoming Mueller testimony before Congress on Wednesday, the AOC Nance Pelosi meeting on Thursday, but our research and production team here at Dumb Gay Politics, aka Brandy and I, <laughs> decided that the shitstorm that is really going to affect each and every one of us, no matter what, is the new fiscal budget. Hammered out by top Democrats, Speaker of the House Nance Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and top Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McTurtle and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. We never fucking talk Woo! about I, we never talk about Kevin McCarthy ever. You know what? We don't ever talk about Kevin McCarthy. Let's I probably because he's just so boring. I'd be uncomfortable being in government and having the last name McCarthy and particularly being a Republican. <laughs> That's a very good point. And it, it does make me uncomfortable. I wonder if he feels that, you know, well, he I mean? should have changed his name to Kevin McCarth. Yeah, he should just go by Kevin McCarth. He should go by Kevin McCarth. <laughs> Kevin McCart. Kevin, um, Kevin Cardi, Red Kevin List. Cardi. What was it called that McCarthy did? The blacklist. The, oh, the Blacklist. Yeah. I said Red List. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, you said Red because it was like communist. communist. Yeah. yeah. So basically, those crazy kids hammered it all out, <laughs> and then um, Trump subsequently signed off on it, kind of verbally, because he tweeted Monday. Here's what old Trump tweeted. I am pleased to announce that a deal has been struck with Senate Minor Majority Leader. I'm going to repeat this because it's important that everyone know these things. Senate Majority Leader M Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. A two-year budget and debt ceiling 
with no poison pills. This was a real compromise in order to give another big victory to our great military and vets. Um, I wanted to look up what poison pills are. I know what it is. And what are poison pills? It's basically like what um, Greg Garino told us, like riders or those things like when they put the guardrails, guardrails, and they call them riders too, Mm. or poison pills, where you're like, you can do this, but you can't do this. And then they're like, we're not passing it because that's exactly what we want to do. Right. So the fact that there's no poison pills is kind of the drama, but. Right. Okay. Well, um, so. Congress still needs to vote on the new budget, though. But the gist is this. So it's a two-year budget deal that will raise spending limits by $320 billion Jesus. And suspend the federal debt ceiling until after the 2020 presidential election. The deal will most likely prevent a debt ceiling crisis later this year, but it will continue Washington's borrowing binge for the next two years. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, because basically in September, the debt ceiling that I guess... I don't know when it was voted on or whatever. I think I saw something about 2011. Mm-hmm. That debt ceiling was going to take effect in September. So that's only a few months away because what happens that I love is how every year just goes by quickly. Right. And I just get older every time. <laughs> and I feel like everyone else stays young. <laughs> but anyway, so September's right around the corner. And basically Congress, who I guess think they're basically like teachers, they're leaving for five weeks. Hopefully they're going back to their fucking districts to yeah. go go- governance and legislate right. and uh-huh. governlate or whatever right. the fuck they're going to get do. Get to work and get to governating. <laughs> the okay? Regulate and Seriously. everything. So I want to, if you, before you continue, in case there are people who, li- who are listening who are probably like, what's a debt ceiling? So I kind of feel like it's a word that has the definition in it, but I'll let you just, just define it. The debt ceiling is the legal limit on the total amount of federal debt the government can accrue. The limit applies to almost all federal debt. And people sometimes forget that as a like as a country, it's like if we had the biggest credit card debt on the face of the planet and like our uh, loans or whatever. Right. The credit debt. We have debt. There's the debt and the deficit. But I feel like debt ceiling, you know, it implies that there's you're going to run out of room. Basically, yeah. you're reaching the credit card limit on that bitch and they just asked for... for yeah, your, we're maxing out. For the limit increase. Yeah. They, they called up... China. You know, well, they called up, you know, <laughs> the Delta Amex, the one we have, mm-hmm. and they were like, yo, dog, let me get a credit increase. And they're like, well, let me check your credit and that's going to take right. your credit score down. And then yep. it's like, should I do it or what? Okay. All right. How much am I going to go up, though? Like, I don't... Well, what are you going to use it for? Yeah. And then a group of yeah. people get it together and they're like, well, what are you going to use it for? And then you're like, well, we have all these things we need. And then Trump is like, I'm going to spend it on a military and a wall. And then other people are like, no. And then they're like, but if we do that, then we can do this. And you're like, oh, okay. So basically, Congress was about to go for five weeks. They're leaving, like, at the end of July. Right. And so... And... The debt, they weren't even going to be back until pretty much September. Right. And then they're going to be like, whoops, America ran out of money. Literally, America ran out of money. Right. Because they didn't up the credit card debt. Right. So all of those people who, you know, are ready, they got the skis thrown on the top of the car. (laughs) They're like, I got my water skis. Uh, My jet ski. I got my um, wind runner. The roommates in the car filled (laughs) Uh with alcohol. Right. And we need to take the summer vacay. And they want to go. And also, no one wants to deal with the budgeting. I mean, you can't even. If I was in Congress, 
I would rather be on the armed services committee than dealing Ugh, with the budget. Yeah. I avoid. I wa- I Julie and I. This is our claim to fame, and we invite all of you to copy us because it's money. We like to do this move, whether we call um, the bank. Yes. And we're like, we need to call the bank because we're traveling because tell them that we're going to use a debit card, whatever it is, or we call a credit card and they want to go, you put in your information and then they go, um, your last payment was <laughs> your outstanding. We put the phone down. Oh, I never listened to it. We put the phone away yes. from our ear. We yes. will not hear in my no. own bank account. No. I don't want to hear it. Your balance is. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and we put the phone away. Nope. And nope, I see her no, do it and we no. both do it. It's our thing. We don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hear the truth. We don't no. want to hear the honesty. We don't Absolutely want to face not. it. Nope. So I can't. I have to sometimes go. I have a credit. Like I have my insurance is with my credit card. So I have to go online and deal with like insurance. Let's say uh-huh. I'll be like on the computer with my hand over the yes, credit card. Yes, me too. I scroll. I can't look I scroll, at scroll, it. scroll, scroll. Get up. Get up. Don't look at it. Get up. Yeah. And even with the what my minimum payment is now, I'm like, nope, 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 yeah. nope, nope, nope. Just oh, do God. it. I just take it out. When I even see the bill, I'm just like, ugh. Oh. So. I get it. They don't want to deal. They want to just print more money. And Trump is the kind of person who raised his hand and said, why can't we just print more money? Because, you know, right. we all ask right. that. Just print more money. Right. And he probably just said, just go print. Steve Mnuchin, just go print more money. So that's basically what we they did. We don't have the gold in the fucking we, Federal Reserve or whatever wife, it is. My wife and I trying to go <laughs> print more money, but we couldn't uh, print out the money because we took all the money. So they raised the debt ceiling and that will be suspended or the debt ceiling just they erased it and it won't be there for two years. OK, right. till till after the election. So nobody's dealing with it. Neither side is like going to get in trouble with voters. They basically right. came to a thing where it was like, what is going to like get us through this election? And it was Nance Pelosi, Chuck Schum, <laughs> fucking Kevin McCarthy, apparently, and Mitch McTurtle. And they're just like, what's up? So. The main top line, yes, which I'm assuming is the top of line, the, line. <laughs> the top line of the agreement of uh-huh. the budget mm-hmm. is basically like equal spending between domestic spending, which is spending in America on American programs. I'm hoping obviously infrastructure, education, all of our problems and then equal spend, which that's what Democrats want. Right. And then um, Republicans want defense, defense spending. Right. So they got that. The Democrats said it's money spent on everything but entitlements. So it won't of be course. social security. No help, you be... guys. Nothing to help anyone. Right. It'll... No social programs. Right. No, because that's a separate thing, apparently. It would be for... Like roads a... and bridges and needs with and a... <laughs> have have tos No no help. help. Discret- dis- discretion. Disc- discretionary funding? Discretionary funding. But which, that sounds like entitlements to me, but... It, but apparently it isn't. Okay, it's the other thing. So it's the other thing. Well, so it would be education. They can dole it out how they dis- yeah how they want. But the deal is though that's pretty fucked up, and I'm sure AOC oh. is not having it. But I don't right. know for sure. She she's definitely tweeted some stuff. But what they agreed to is that there's an increase in a hundred million dollars in domestic priorities, which no one no Republican wanted. The White House didn't want not. it. They don't want that. However, they got a, Democrats got it and they were like, woohoo. And they and so then in the budget, they were like, well, we need to offset it by cutting other things. So if you want that hundred million, we need to cut from here, here, here. And the Democrats are like this. No, no, we're not going to cut anything. In fact, oh, it turns out, sweetie, we're not going to cut any of that. 
take it on back to the drawing board, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Nance Pelosi went back on her flight wherever she was going. Oh, she polished was going up to, her pearls. She was going. To- <laughs> she was like, I'm not signing that. When Nance Nance was on a flight to, was that when she talked to them or coming home? She was going to speak at an NAACP conference and she was on the flight. And then um, it got delayed for two hours and she had the meeting with them over the phone in the flight. She stayed on the flight while everyone else got off and like burned out to Chick-fil-A and like right. the Burger King in the airport and the Chili's to go. Right. And she stayed on with her staff and went ahead and called Trump and hammered it out. She called into the staff meeting or whatever. And then apparently when they got back on the plane and the plane then took off, somebody noted that she then relaxed with doing crosswords. Did she have any kind of... Um, Rosé cocktail, yeah. I don't anything know. That such I, as it, that they didn't say, but I'd love to think. Don't you like to think of her with a glass of wine doing? Yes, doing if she her. wasn't drinking, how dare the person not tell us that? That's we want to know what she's imbibing. Obs. Now, well, if yeah. she, she had a diet coke, anything. So basically, she said no mm-hmm. to the offsets, the cuts. She got the hundred mil. However, the drama is that they are not. The Democrats are not allowed to restrict. Republican mandated funding to the military, meaning most notably they can't block or restrict transfer funding for the border wall. So that's going to be the way he's going to do the wall. Yeah. And um, if he can get that wall going, go ahead. Yeah. Get a few feet of the wall built, honey. (laughs) You're going to be voted out and the wall will be turned in. Like we've always said to the Instagram photo op that it needs to be and that we know that is what it's going to be it's going to have the wings on it it's going to have hearts on it it's going to turn into we want it to be the immigration stop where they're yeah. like american we're american <laughs> now bitch <laughs> yeah. like throwing up gang signs like coming here to kill americans <laughs> rape and yeah. we're like yeah good for you like fucking stick it to them right someone's in front of gonna, that instagram wall it's gonna have rape written on it yeah but they're gonna stand in front of the a like yeah. with their body yeah so exactly make like, the our a. body yeah <laughs> and then people go is that ripe so exactly. Um, just as a tangent, since we have time, I wa- uh, there's a show that I've been watching. I wanted to tell you about it. It's called Dark Tourist. It's a reality show about a journalist from New Zealand who goes on. Uh, he does weird exposés on people who do weird things for their tourism. Okay. So one of the things that people are paying to do uh-huh. is to go on um, a mock immigrate at the southern border what a mock immigration experience a guy called the commander takes he's like an ex um he's an ex one of those guys that takes people across the border and now coyote kind yeah and so he wears like a full mask and these people and they're all fucking white (laughs) what a bunch of assholes yes so they go they pay fifty dollars that's it all day cheap yes and you go I mean, not for nothing. That's a cheap tourist attraction. Yeah. Fifty dollars. He takes you on what is the experience of the immigrant. How is that true? And they show it and it's six hours long and they have to do the whole trek and then two time and then in the middle of it, they get they get accosted. They get coyotes. But come. then do they get a break in the box lunch? Like when you go r- yes. white water rafting yes. and shit like that. They're tired. Okay, guys, we're going to take the box yes. lunch now. And everyone's like, what is it? Is it what? Oh, we got. Oh, it's turkey. What'd yeah. you get? I did the vegan one. <laughs> exactly. Ugh, I got the Caesar wrap. That's all right. So Why did I choose this? I hate it's like this. soggy and it's oh, hot out here. Why is this burrito even like, here? okay, come on. We're trying yeah. time to get Let's beat go. up. About it. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> so they so literally the guy was like the the guy, the journalist guy was like, God, this is like I'm exhausted. This is exhausting. And he's like, but 
Yeah, it's I'm exhausting get a of trying to be a refugee, you dick. <laughs> yes. And all the people are like, we're so privileged. We we had a, we just were just so privileged. It's like, why did you need to do that to know that you're privileged? Awful. Awful. They literally are doing it. They get to the point. A fake sheriff comes and arrests them. Why don't we get to audition for these parts? Can you believe this shit? I mean, yeah, he's like an actor. He went to theater school for two years. He's a theater school dropout. He's in dinner theater or whatever. <laughs> oh, it's I'm I'm hooked on these <laughs> shitty things that tor- like that I is can't. that's not just shitty. That is absolutely egregious. Oh, it's not even the most. I hope egregious. they get arrested. I hope real police come and go like dinner date night or what's that one game night. Yes. Real police come and go. No, you're under arrest. This you're actually this isn't legal. This commander fool is under arrest. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, there was one where they almost did get arrested in Japan. Oh, so they do it in every. Oh, that's a different thing. He goes to different countries. Yeah, but he doesn't always do the immigration thing. No, but that was one thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just this made me think of that just like the wall and then when they build the wall and it becomes the Instagram thing yeah that, that that'll be a new dark tourist is, yes but yeah that's exactly my idea is better because it's really not dark tourist it's like go down there and it's basically making fun of Trump right it's the freedom wall for all the people who right. get, are now allowed to at least come in and you know like oh they're gonna have zip lines by us. yeah <laughs> Await their you trial I mean? and ha- yeah. be treated nicely, and somebody's people will start selling things to them, right? You know, trying yeah. to make money off it. Like here's lemonade and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, so he is going to start building the wall, I'm sure, but he's not going to have that much time, right? And um, so that's horrifying, and I know that Democrats are definitely going to be mad about that. So would they? Because they still have to vote. Congress has to vote, right? So there will be those Democrats that don't want to vote for that, you know, in the House anyway, and the you know the Democrats right. do own the House. But the least we get money for things that people are going to need, like education or infrastructure or, you know, maybe it'll go to Planned Parenthood or maybe it'll go to, I don't know. And no offsets. They don't have to cut money from Planned Parenthood right. to give. To, and right. and according to the article I read, it was like they gave them. I have a blind zit right on the edge of my nose Ooh. right here. I know. it's. Have you ever gotten it right on your edge of your nostril? I've gotten it right here. The tip of the nose is next level because you, first of all, it makes your nose look bigger because it yeah. essentially gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And then it turns red and you're like walking like Rudolph. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've had it up here too, which is. Yeah, here. But this is this right here. here. Yeah. Oh, God, this business. Not I want it on the edge of the lip. Yeah, here. I'm not trying to squeeze the edge of my lip. It's so bad. Oh, they sent them all these um, like over five hundred million dollars in possible like offset choices. Oh, of course. Like, and they were like, and Nance Pillis was like having no. not one of them. Good. Actually, not one of them. So I love that. But now, like I said, the Republicans and the White House didn't want didn't want an increase in domestic spending. So these they're are kind of moted with that. Right. And this is one of those cases where it's like, yes, certainly none of us want the wall, but. When you think about the bigger picture and the money that's needed for now, we need the money and also we can vote Trump out. So, okay, he's going to they're going to put it in the military and he's going to try and start building that wall. And that's still going to take a while. He's going to have to get the contracts. He's going to have to. It's going to take some time. Yeah. And AOC tweeted, notice how whenever we pursue large spending increases, plus tax cuts for corporations, contractors and the connected, it's treated as business as usual. Uh, but the moment we consider investing similar money in working class people, they cry out that it's unrealistic. And that and she's 100 percent right. Yeah. And that is why now it's great, because though we did give them those things, we upped their budget. We also upped the budget for things we prioritize. Right. And normally that doesn't get to happen. Right. So I think it's exciting. 
you know, I mean, it's not perfect. Right. But it's why we chose it as the shit storm because it is actual legislation that's about to go down. We'll see what Congress does. And it's one of those things that will be very divisive and dramatic. And that this is where you have to think and consider like that's why with AOC or we'll, 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 I'll be interested to see if Bernie Sanders um, Side, vote, votes yes. Yes. Yeah. Because he's not going to want to stand by the wall and he does not want them to have military spending, nor do we. But in this situation where you're faced with we can have something we need and want. Will we give them something they need and no, want? No, he's not going to vote yes. He absolutely, he doesn't need to because sen- this, you know, Republicans own the Senate. He can vote no and have that on his record. And just, he always sort of like makes, that's how he, how he makes his statement. Like, no, I'm not into that. Um, so I don't think he'll vote. I think he'll vote no for sure. Right. But supposedly this whole thing, and I don't know if it's because of this, this budget, mm-hmm. but Elizabeth Warren says there's about to be a financial crisis. Right. And so she's, she has, but she says she has a plan for it. Yeah. And I think that it's clear by the fact that we're never able to rein in spending ever. Mm-hmm. The only thing we can ever do is just spend more money. Yep. So hopefully people like Elizabeth Warren are then going to get it from people from Amazon, Google, That's whatever right. to offset that. Cause it's the only thing you can do. People, yep. corporations are going to have to start paying taxes if, because I think it's unrealistic to be like, even for ourselves, you know, we should do meow meow since we can't listen to our credit card debts and our bank statements. We should um, stop spending so much money. <laughs> mm, no, what we need to do is what? What we need to do is just get more money. Right. Make more money. So <laughs> that's right. That's the answer here, too. because yes. That's generally the answer across the board. Right. Well, now it's time for one of our most popular segments called Anne read a book in two days check this out y'all Part of the show called Anne read a book in two days. It's been a minute since we've done this segment, but the chief correspondent for Politico did some investigative journalisming and dropped a nonfiction nugget served with a side of boiling hot tea on the internal rift in the Republican Party and how that led to the current Trumpian nightmare in Washington. And Anne volunteered to read the shit. She sure did. She was going to read it regardless for her own enjoyment and enrichment. And that is why she should be doing this podcast and not us. Another reason is probably this recycled fucking intro. And here it goes. Anne is one of my oldest and best friends. I've mentioned her on the show a million times. And even her husband, Mike, who has the same birthday as George Clooney, which is why he's allowed to stay, stick around. They have a son named Nicholas that I will happily raise as my own if they ever die in a tragic shark attack or something such as. 
Not only is she a close part of our family, she's also a good friend to the show. She's one of the original 14 listeners of DGP and a Patreon subscriber. But that's not why we chose her. We chose her because she's hilarious and exceptionally smart and one of the only people we know who can read a 600-page nonfiction book in two days. And this book is called American Carnage on the Front Lines of the Republican Civil War and the Rise of President Trump by Tim Alberta. Hello, Anne. Oh, that was very formal. Hello. I love that introduction, and I'm I'm happy to happy to hear it again. Yeah, well, you'll be hearing it as long as you're doing this. So. I tell you what, I when I volunteered, I didn't I re- I did not know that it was over 600 pages. I, I really didn't. That was oh. that was shocking. <laughs> so were you yeah. just like read one page, skip five, <laughs> read one page, skip five? No, I mean kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did it in three. I did it in three days because I kept pushing it off and pushing it off, and then I was like, I have to, I have to start doing this. And but, then were you like, don't talk yeah. to me, <laughs> mommy's busy faking reading this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like exactly to think of happened. you in like <laughs> a corner, like by a window in a window seat, some glasses. Yeah, I wish. Uh huh. <laughs> I was more laying on my bed that's half broken with the Ikea frame, (laughs) and it was 110 degrees and sitting inside and the air conditioner blowing on me. So Mm. it was great, great. Okay, so... Various seltzer bottles next to my bedside. Yeah, (laughs) half finished and shit. (laughs) Give us the quick synopsis of the story that the book tells. Like, obviously, the title kind of explains it, but we we need it the gist in, like, dumb gay terms. Okay, so, so the title American Carnage comes from Trump's inaugural speech, like his, his infamous inaugural speech where he goes on and on about how bad the world is. Um, but basically, the book takes you through, like, 2008 through current day, Republican, um, the Republican Party, and kind of how it's changed over the course of those elections and everything that's happened in between. So it's really an in-depth, it's, it's really well done. It's a good book. It's, it's, if you care about that kind of stuff, but it's really dense and it, it, it really goes through everything that happened in those it's years. A lot of information, a lot of names, a lot, a lot of older yeah. names. So between 2008, so it's like after Obama. So that was like, and then that was, that was the McCain Obama. Right. Um, showdown race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then again with when they tried to get Mitt Romney in there and then the Trump. So it covers three election cycles and then the midterms in between those. So basically the Republicans lost their damn mind when a black guy got in there and it just like imploded. Is that, the I deal? mean, that's kind of the base. I mean, that has yeah. a lot to do with it. They make a case that it goes like even way before that when Bush was still in office and after nine 11, even after nine 11, they make a point in the book to say that people weren't even really talking about immigration or anything like that. The Republican party was still kind of the stalwart party with the old timers and what's his name george bush decided the president george bush started seeing and realizing that pe- that trends were starting to change a little bit and people were starting to talk a little bit more about like protectionism and isolationism and nativism and things like that and then his quote in there was saying that these isms are going to eat us alive which did happen a little like after 9-11 where the xenophobia started happening a little bit, but it was kind of an un- underbelly. You know, it wasn't something that people really talked about. And then with the McCain-Obama election, one person that a lot of people referenced as kind of being the early warning bell of things going was when Sarah Palin was nominated for VP. Mm. And Carl Rove talked about how everyone 
at first was so excited by her and then started to realize that she's like this vacuous woman who was kind of an idiot. And How do they not do really... research on that? Like, do some well, research. I think that they Don't just look at her did, headshot. But they... <laughs> Well, oh, they they did say they like when people met her, they thought she was hot and that she had a had a killer figure. And they used oh God! Figure. Which is so. And I also, I'm like, by the way, Carl Rove, and I love that they're trying. The Republican Party is comprised of 99.9 percent of white men, and they're like, this lady comes along. It's off. Like she, yeah, I guess was an example of this kind of right. She's the one that caused you know, everything. I'm the a one woman person. Yes, this one lady comes along, and all hell breaks loose. But. It was that was a little offensive, Carl Rove. But then everything Carl Rove does is pretty offensive. So now, who is Carl Rove? I like to call him Carl Rove. So Carl Rove was. I always ask Julie, well, do you know who Carl Rove was? And she's like, I think he was chief of staff. Do you know who Donald Rumsfeld was? I think he was defense secretary. Like when she's like, I think that yeah, might be a spotted two-tone yeah. bird from the African plains. I'm not quite sure. And I'm like, you know exactly yeah. what kind of bird that is. But I, that because guy. of my, me- I just get, I, I, I do have a lot of self-doubt. Yeah, he was senior advisor. <laughs> yeah, he was chief of staff to George. Yeah, he's an advisor. Was he? he yeah, was so he was staff. in the mix. Yeah, they, his name was mentioned all the time. Now that's like a lot because he's, he's called Bush's brain. Ugh, he's the benchmark yeah. for me he, of like he, I don't know what's going on. People would be like Carl Rove, and I'm like, what the fuck? Who the hell is that? Yeah. Well, he's he's in the mix, and he's still in the mix because he was even advising Trump at one point. Wow, um, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know that either. Of, yeah, there was a whole point in the book where. He reached, uh, the Trump team kind of reached out to him, and they kind of secretly met, and Karl Rove laid out to him what states he needed to win in order to win the election. So, And, his, and of course, Trump's team didn't know any of that. They're like, oh, you don't say. So Karl Rove <laughs> oh kind God. of was an, ar- an architect of like, no, you kind of need, you're not going to win California, okay? But you might you need to win Iowa, and you need to win. So he helped him kind of lay that out. So it goes so through the three, the those three elections and the midterms and basically the trajectory because i feel the book i mean just from you know the blurb i read to be quite frank is trying to say like trump is a he's a byproduct of their fighting and basically will be the this will is signifying like the end of or like yeah the end of the republican party but it clearly isn't right they seem to be doing fine well they're calling it now you know it's the party that trump has isn't what the traditional Republican values were, which were they were about small government. He's kind of changed the game. So now it's the party of Trump. And obviously, if you're not with Trump, you're against him. And that's how he governs. And he has an enemy list. And so people fall in line because at the end of the day, it's about having power and wanting to keep that power no matter what happens. And that goes for everybody that stuck out with him in the administration. Regardless, I just said this on the last podcast, regardless if it's 2020 or 2024, it doesn't last forever. So then what do they do? Did they mention that? Because when it's the party of well, Trump and when Trump's gone, whose party is it? Well, that's what's interesting because at one point they make a, a point to point out that, can I say point like 17 times? Anyway, they, <laughs> he said that Bernie Sanders, you know, he's not a Democrat, but he's running on the Democratic ticket. Donald Trump wasn't even a Republican and he ran. So they're kind of co-opting parties. And I think it was John Boehner who said he thinks, I think this is, eventually going to be the end of the two-party system and mm. you know at this point it, it isn't a republican party it's trump's a, a populist and that's how we're governing right now you just, Wait, just who's john boehner again john boehner was the speaker of the house he's the one that for went a long time he went and had the, made the, the pot, pot farm yeah but he was the one that had the real tan 
So he's he'd be real tan with those blue eyes. Yeah, yeah I thought he's and handsome. All the time. I thought he's kind of handsome to be this big. I mean, no one's good looking there, so you just have to grasp on no, to I'm his tan. <laughs> honestly, I was into Sarah yeah. Palin how she looked too. I was like, okay, I mean, God, to put her in a regular lineup, I guess she might have a nice figure. <laughs> But in that, I mean, she's a nice figure. In that environment, <laughs> I'm like, damn, that. these are stars. Yeah. So he he was the speaker of the house, and so he went through the Obama years, and so he kind of was there for that whole time. He was he was in the Senate, and then was was the head. So he he was there for that whole time. So he's featured in the book a lot. Poor Obama. I know the fucking cretins he had to deal yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, he kind of didn't have a chance when he came in. It was you know immediately trying to shoot down every single thing that he wanted to bring up and at that time too in in history was when bush was leaving we had the economy fall apart they had to do the stimulus package people in the flyover states sure racism plays a part in it being obama but they were people got really mad that we were bailing out these companies and bailing out people that they thought were buying these houses they couldn't afford and people got super resentful and that was when the Tea Party movement started. And all of these people who were kind of tried and true Republicans that had been there for a long time started getting the boot by these crazy Tea Partiers. So, like, is Marco that still Rubio, around? They brought up, is that still around the Tea Party? Or did they just get like. Well, the tr- Trump is like the new Tea Party, really. I mean, there, some of those people are still around, but that movement, I guess, is kind of regressed a little bit for what Trump is. Now is the but book some of those people are still there. Is the book primarily interviews? A lot of it is, yeah. And who is the juiciest interviews? Is. Well Boehner has he ha- he had a he had a lot to talk about. And then there's Paul Ryan, which I think is what a lot of the press coverage was about Paul Ryan who, you know, kinda used this as his woe is me martyr. So Paul Ryan was line. the speaker of the house, right? And he then sure he, was Paul Ryan was the speaker and then of the he house retired. after John Boehner. <laughs> He retired yeah, in his thirties. In his thirties, yeah, he quit. Because, and then he makes the whole point about how he didn't want to become, he didn't want to do it, and they really they made him, and he did it out of you know the goodness of his heart and the good for the country, and you know he he just he he goes on and on about how he you know good thing we were there to you know trust me we helped Trump you know not make terrible decisions we really helped him out and it's at the end of the day it's just. He's a spineless, useless piece of garbage. I thought like he was just... blackmailed into quitting or something. It was so bizarre how he quit. I don't know. I just he think it's quit weird. because the writing was on the wall. I mean, they, they were going to get him out regardless because he's at this point, he, he was almost too easygoing on Trump. <laughs> saw the writing on the wall and he knew it was time to go because he didn't want to get dragged down any further. But then again, he also didn't have the balls to speak out against Trump until now. That he's gone. Because wasn't his whole thing like, I'm going to teach him about government and I'm going to teach yeah, him Yeah, he didn't know anything about government. I taught I him everything. Like, fuck off. Right. Yeah. He, he made a deal with the devil and then he realized halfway through that maybe it wasn't the best, you know, thing for his legacy. And um, he, all of a sudden he needed to be with his family, you know. Maybe <laughs> should, he support. should go become a sister wife with his twin <laughs> sister, Robin. What Did he interview any Democrats? Uh, there was a handful. There, there was a handful. I mean, he talked to David Axelrod, who was Obama's, who ran Obama's campaign. He talked to Joe Biden at one point, but it was mostly, mostly Republicans. And did you feel you the know. book was biased? No, I think I actually think it was pretty. I think it was pretty fair all around. I really do. It was. It was. It's a really well written book. I mean, it's fucking long, and he probably could have trimmed some out. But I read of just but a I description on the Guardian, sense. and it was like I had to look up four words. I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's. I mean, you know, you know who really looks bad in this book is Mike Pence. 
And there were some things about him that I didn't realize. So for one thing, I didn't re- wasn't paying that close attention to his election. But I guess when he when Trump decided to, to pick him as VP, Mike Pence was super close to he was probably going to lose his reelection in Indiana. Like he wasn't doing well. So Trump kind of kind of helped him out when he mm. picked him. And that's partly why some people think he's been such a loyal soldier to Trump. But some people said that he's so insanely in Trump's pocket that like some of his friends legit think that maybe he was getting blackmailed by Trump. (laughs) So like he's just in such an about face. That makes finally some blackmail talk here. It's definitely happening. And then also I didn't realize I mean I know Mike Pence had taken over, had kinda helped with the transition team, but he was the one that put some of these real assholes in place. Like he picked Betsy DeVos, you know, the education secretary who's a moron. He put Tom Price, who was the health and human services guy who had to quit because he was gay spending too much money. You <laughs> I know, know what you guys he picked a lot about. of these people. I just did you know, some he picked a lot of these training. people. Yeah. Did he pick Scott Pruitt? Did it say anything about that? I didn't say anything about Scott Pruitt, but he, he de- I didn't realize that he had his hand in that so so deep and then another thing i didn't then, by the way that isn't he, that why people think he knew about the whole russian back channel shit because he was I'm so sure super involved I'm, in the fucking transition yeah and that was all he mike was, flynn and all that yeah he was i think he he's in it way more than we think i mean they make a point in the book and paul ryan makes a point too that you know with trump you have to make it look like he's the star you can't ever try to take the any spotlight away from him because it you know look at steve bannon he did that he was out so Mike Pence is really, really good at kind of making decisions and having people report back to him, but never letting it be known that it was him. He wants Trump to remain in the spotlight, and he just kind of stays in the shadows and works behind the scenes, which I didn't realize he was doing all that. But another thing that I thought really spoke really badly to his character is I didn't know that he and Jeff Flake were, like, best friends. Jeff Whoa. Flake was the um, senator from Arizona who did, didn't run for re-election. You know, he left he like announced um, that he was he, retiring or whatever he was going to get out yeah, because, because of he Trump. Despised Trump, and the feeling was mutual. And <laughs> when when Flake left, Trump was really mean to him and said awful things about him in the press. <laughs> and Mike Pence just sat there and was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which was, you know, that's his best friend of however many years, and he it, it's, he's just a fucking bad person like Pence. what was there anything that really shocked you or did you feel like most of the information was kind of like not derivative but it's kind of been floating in the air there's nothing shocking that makes you feel like like especially any of the any of the little asides about trump i mean it's all true to form what we know he's he's the kind of person that keeps an enemies list he would only give endorsements to people who said good things about him i mean he there was there was a funny story funny story where they said when he was in camp david and he was getting briefed by like all the generals about isis and it was this like really serious meeting and he's sitting there and nodding and writing things down on paper and people are like man he's really you know listening and getting into it and he's nodding and looking and then somebody looked over at his paper and he had just written in capital at the top sloppy steve for steve bannon and then like bullet points of why (laughs) Bullet points of why, um, yeah. um his hair, but it was his posture, and, but he, yeah. But he was just like, like he was really just nodding and like looking up and acting like he was really paying attention. And he's just doodling like a yeah. five-year-old. Yeah. Now, did this guy Tim Alberta interview Trump? He did. So there's a couple of little little bits here and there. I think he said he had like 40 minutes with him in the scope of all of it, but. 
he asks him about, I think the big quote was whether or not he thought he was transformational or transitional. Like, what kind of president <laughs> do you think he's going to end up being? And he was like, what do you think? Ha, ha, ha. Like, he didn't, he didn't have a lot really to say to him other than the typical stuff. But what was interesting and what I thought, they talked a little bit about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, who the New York House of Representatives, and how Trump spotted her watching TV and was like, that girl's a star and she's going to like be trouble for us. So he spotted her. Like he like spots. Why? Because she's the youngest, prettiest one. She had a good figure. I mean, God. (laughs) Yeah, probably. But he's like, like, she just, you know, popped on screen. He rewound his TiVo and just knew that she... So he, of course, he, he did. did. He loves TiVo. He saw he knew yeah. earrings. I love TiVo too. He knew because she fights and she doesn't back down, and that's I think that's yeah. Why. Because and he yeah, he like said that him. he was really enamored by her, and he and when everybody was discounting her and going, oh, she's never gonna, she's never gonna win because she was up against Joe Crowley, who was very established Democrat, who was you know people thought he was going to take over for Nancy Pelosi, and she knocked him out, and he was like, don't count her out. I think she may win, and then she did. Did they talk about Nancy so Pelosi in the book? Not really. A little bit. I mean, it's it was really focused more on just all the Republicans and 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 how they viewed things. Except for with Joe Biden, they did he did talk, which I think kind of sums up how how he's kind of running his campaign right now. Was talking about how when he was in the Senate and coming up all the time, they would have this senator's dining room that everybody would go down to, and you'd have lunch and you'd sit with you know your friends and some were Democrats and some were Republicans, and you disagreed on the floor, but. You know, you talk to each other and you were friends in real life. And he said, towards the end of the second term with Obama, he's like, you know, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to, like, go sit with people and see how they're doing. And he went into the room and he said it wasn't there anymore. Like, the room was there, but the tables were gone. Like, he's like, it was just such a symbolic view of how things have changed so dramatically. Like, people don't talk to each other anymore. They don't like each other. They don't don't care. Wow. It's just a different. I'm kind of glad. I feel like that environment is toxic. It's too political. It's fake. It's exactly what Biden, why people don't like Biden is because it's like you're friends with both sides. And I've never was into that. I was always like, we don't like them. Like in high school, like "Mm, we don't like them. We're not friends with them. So sitting around and being like, oh, yeah, bro. And like whatever, when they're actively going against what you want and it's it's not just somebody wants fucking, you know, the bigger lunch trays. It's important shit. I think, yeah, yeah especially fuck now. That I mean, because it's gotten so, so, you know, over the top. I mean, if, I think back then it was more difference of opinion about like fiscal responsibility. And now it's like there are Nazis. It's just <laughs> different, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> like full Nazis. Yeah. So, you know, the, the stakes are definitely higher now. Does he simply lay out in the book what the difference is between what a Republican might think that they are and what a Trump peon Republican is. I feel like people might not really understand the difference. It's like people say they're I'm a I'm a I'm a, you know, conventional conservative. I'm a regular Republican. Yeah. I'm not like this. And it's like, well, well, but you mean complicit. Megan McCain? Yeah. But if you're complicit <laughs> yeah. in it, then you are. But let's say for Correct. argument's sake, what's a Republican and what is a Trumpian Republican? An interesting thing they mentioned in the book is, is about these huge fundraisers and the donors, you know, these big giant donors that are giving to the party. And it used to be all about hammer hammer in that we're you know for for smaller government and and being fiscally responsible and and now all of that messaging has changed they say no we want to go about all the cultural things if it's about immigration talk about immigration if it's about 
building the wall. It's about building the wall. At the end of the day, it's by any means necessary. I don't even know if a lot of these people believe what they're saying. Right. They're doing like an identity politics. They are following yes, it's a identity Nazi. cultural politics. Right. They are yeah. following a Nazi and like environment. Did, speaking of did power, did it, did they mention Mitch McConnell? A little bit. I don't think he really spoke to him very often. But Mitch McConnell was the same. He's like, this is, and this is why Republicans stick with him. Supreme Court. Same thing with evangelicals. They're like, he's going to get, he's going to pass and and put people on the bench that we need to to get us where we want to be as a party. So they're they're willing to put up with his nonsense. And and at this point, the damage he's doing, you know, you could argue could be detrimental for decades and decades and decades to get things like Supreme Court judges. They're willing to to deal with it now and and just pay the price later. So what was it? It was like what I read was like it was like two groups. It was like Ted Cruz and I maybe John no whoever was the Tea Party group of the Republicans. And then the other yep. group, was that Mitch McConnell? I mean, yeah, I guess Mitch McConnell's considered like the old school, but like a Marco Rubio, he's a Tea Party guy. He, right. he's What's funny is he's similar to Alexander Ocasio. Was Marco Rubio came in when he was elected. He knocked out this Charlie Crist, who was, I think he was the governor of Florida at the time. He was a huge Republican guy that was like very well respected. Nobody thought he could lose, and Marco Rubio came in and, and took over in that Tea Party wave. All of those people now are remember being in that moment and and kind of saying, "I'm going to stick on the winning side," which is you know the oh. complete opposite of what they ran on. You know, it's they right. just that guy. What's his name? Justin Amash, whatever. I Justin think Amash. Justin, Justin Amash, who was in the House, he just resigned. He just he just said he was leaving the Republican Party a couple of weeks ago. But he's in the book and he just says, you know, I see people just go and lie, like go on Fox News and just completely lie just so they can hold on to this power. And it's just not right. So it's. Yeah, the blurb. So the blurb of the book or the description says the Republicans faced a moment of reckoning. They have no vision, no generation of new leaders and no energy in the base. So then Obama rolled in and between him and his like progressive, like aggressive, progressive agenda and America's disgusting <laughs> underbelly, let's say. So basically these Ooh. factions emerged and it was not so it was yeah. Jim Jordan and Ted Cruz. Yep. And they were like the Tea Party people, right? Yeah, so says, and Mulvaney, who's who's now the Chief of Staff. Secretary, Chief of Staff. Yeah, he Chief of Staff. He was one of them. You know, there was a handful of people that there's a the Freedom Caucus, which is the same kind of idea. These really the really intense like super, Republic, you know, super right wing like establishment versus then it says there were pragmatists people. like Boehner and McConnell who don't stand right. for anything, yeah. just power mongers like John Boehner, for example, the Speaker of the House saying voting against, you know, any kind of like marijuana legislation or legalization and ca- any cannabis laws and then now going and having um, a cannabis farm. Yeah. Yeah, because he can make money off it. Yeah, because that's yeah. all they care about. They call them pragmatists, yeah. but really they're just assholes. <laughs> I mean, back then they they were, you know, and kind of always have been about making money and making money for people, and they weren't as as concerned about the cultural stuff. And then this this other wave came in who were all about, it's really a lot about the, the evangelical vote, too, and that's right. why Trump is so... He, at one point, he's like, those fucking evangelicals, and said it like, ha, 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 crazy kids. He's like, fucking evangelicals. <laughs> he's like, those motherfuckers are crazy, but they're going to vote for me if I do what they say. And they, it's very transactional. They're like, yeah, he can do whatever he wants, as long as he keeps putting conservative judges on the bench and says he's going to overthrow Roe v. Wade. They're good. It's Michael Steele, who was the um, RNC, the head of the RNC for a while until uh, Priebus 
got rid of him um, and stole his position, had a super good, I find it, a really great quote about the evangelicals. And he said, these evangelical leaders are the biggest phonies of all, says Michael Steele, the former party chairman. These are the people who spent the last 40 years telling everyone how to live, who to love, what to think about morality. And then this motherfucker comes along, defiling the White House and disrespecting God's children at every turn. But it's cool because he gave them two Supreme Court justices. They got their 30 pieces of silver. Mm. Like, geez, yep. yeah. But I mean, that's on the money. Well, we're going to interview Tom Arnold like in a couple weeks. And there's like this whole oh. thing with uh, they were supporting Ted Cruz. That whole Mm -hmm. evangelicals. And then basically, what happened? They blackmailed Ted Cruz. Well, I thought that was Falwell's son got into a thing with the pool boy. Trump blackmailed Falwell's son. Yes, yes. So, and said, you're you're going to support me and not Ted Cruz. And so they literally just dropped Ted Cruz like a fucking bad dream to cover all that up. And Tom Tom Arnold, of course, somehow this motherfucker has all the photos, has all the tea. (laughs) He has everything. So we're going to interview him all about it. But yeah, so it's interesting. Oh, like, that's awesome. They're all covering up all their s- literal skeletons laying in dead in oh, their yeah. closets. They were, they, they were saying how, you know, back in the day, I mean, Playboy, any you wouldn't be caught dead being even near anybody like a Donald <laughs> Trump. And then there's pictures of Falwell Jr. literally posing in front of Playboy magazines with Donald Trump. So it's just, it's, it's the hypocrisy is bananas. But in their minds, it's. Look, he's doing what he said he was going to do, and he's and he knows he needs those people. He needs the racists and the evangelical people because he knows they're going to stick with him no matter what. Yeah. I have a question. In the book, do that? Does he give any advice to the Democratic Party as to how they need to go about dealing with this new Republican regime? Well, he they talk a little bit about how things are are changing just demographically and what what could be coming. So one thing that was interesting with this past election with Ted Cruz, where he was running against Beto O'Rourke for his seat. And, you know, in the old days, I mean, Ted Cruz would have won by a landslide. I mean, it's, that was a a very, very heavily Republican, you know, state, obviously Texas. And he and he won by such a slim margin. He won something, I think it was like 2%. And the thing with Texas is that state is changing. There are a lot more people of color that live there now. People come from other states because the taxes are so low. So people from California are moving to Texas. And Texas is a must-win state for Republicans. It's like 36. It's like California. mm. Yeah, for Democrats. Yeah, but I mean, but Republicans know they'll never win California. They always relied on Texas. No, I mean, for for Democrats, we have to, if we started to lose California, it would be like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So really, if Democrats can somehow get Texas, it's over for Republicans. Mm. It's over. Because they need Texas. If they don't have it, there's like no mathematical way they can win. Do you hear that, everyone? I mean, that's the business. That's that, yeah, like flip that yeah. and it's fucking on. Well, this does go. It's literally, they're like, that. there's no mathematical way that they, because it's, it's, that's the big chunk of electoral votes. You know, they get all, they get a lot of states, but it's all the ones that have one, two, four. That's the big right. one. And what if about, what about flip? like infighting? Like, cause obviously this whole thing, the whole thing was those two factions were, were fighting internally and that just paved the way for an outsider to roll in a self-made fully just image and nothing of substance so if they're yeah. it's you know with the democrats and they do seem to be fighting a bit internally <laughs> sometimes i get the vibe that even chuck schumer is over there just like oh nancy pelosi like he's in the senate being like <laughs> god this bitch like i do all this work and then she's over there and i just think like 
Don't pave the way because we're going to fuck around and end up with Marianne Williamson with all due. With all due. Look, you know what? I would hire her to be my, like, my of course. crystals for yeah, me. Yeah, well, stuff. of course. God damn. She can sit and tell yeah. us in a 40s voice how wonderful love is, but I don't know that we need, you know. Love is going to save war, Brady. Love is going to like save it. war. We don't need war. We need love, Mr. President. We need love. <laughs> That is hey, what we need. She's not wrong. She's and, not wrong. And people love her. I mean, I mean, even people that I'm like, people that oh, I she's respect, a maniac, but I, just, I do like. Her. Yeah, they're just yeah. like, I just really like Marianne Williamson. I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna, we are gonna fuck around and end up with old <laughs> Doctor Phil Part Two up in here. <laughs> and tell the 14 fucking listeners how they control you. You guys, uh, <laughs> I guess Twitter. Look. Just Twitter. I could use some followers. I got. It's not going up. It's been years. And you know what, Anne? It's and that's not, because I've, I've, I made peace with it. It's that's, fine. That's because we're not getting in. Because we have fourteen, and that's all we can contribute to you. I'm pretty sure they already follow you. Look, I will gladly take the fourteen. So it's at Anne A N N E underscore Morris at. I always say at Twitter.com. Twitter. Is that even right? Is it at Twitter.com? I think it is. But either way, I think it's, it's where it's at. Yeah, no, go to Twitter and get an account. Don't try and go through your browser to do the following. Don't go directly to Anne. Go into Twitter yeah. and then search her handle Poor so her you. shit goes up. Yeah. Okay, Anne, love you. Yeah. All right, love you guys. <laughs> bye. Love you, bye. Now it's time for So There's That. All right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a ray of light shining through the tunnel of shit known as our current reality. She hates doing it, and though I don't blame her for hating it, I refuse to let her skip it. (laughs) We need some good news or some fake good news or some bad news happening to bad people, which is basically just good news. (laughs) So tell us, Meow Meow, what is your So There's That moment for this week? Well, I decided this week we were going to go in a different direction. I told you before I was going to, I wanted to keep it political and it was exciting that we, um, you know, we were talking about with Anne how Texas, if Texas were to go Democrat, we would win it all. We would win it all. They'd be fucked forever, basically. I know we, yeah, we kind of like, we took that little morsel and just like, and ate it for lunch and then we're like, this is good news. Those nibbles were tasty. Yeah. And so then I'm like perusing around. I'm like, oh, my God, this Democrat is running for um, the House or actually I thought it was the Senate in Texas. And I was like, oh, damn, Wendy Davis, she's going to run. And she's and then I was like, no, it's just the House of Representatives. So which is still a good thing. And I was excited. Well, who's Wendy Davis? Wendy Davis is a Democrat in Texas and she was a representative before and she's run for governor. But then she lost and. In this high oh, year. she was that lady who stood with the tennis shoes. Yes, and she's the she filibustered this abortion bill. She stood for eleven hours. She's super like liberal and cool and fights for women and abortion <laughs> and loves abortion. We <laughs> love abortion. No, she so she was on you know, the Texas state yeah Senate, I think right or yeah. So she was a st- or maybe she was a state representative. Whatever it was, she was on she was in state politics of, t- of Texas. Right, and she stood there for 11 hours. And now she's trying to go national, baby, federal yeah. gov. Exactly, which is great, and that could really in and of itself be a, so there's that. However, then you brought to my attention something <laughs> that made me even more excited. Now, 
Um, I want to say we have a cat. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I've had cats through my adult life, and um, I've had this is my third cat. And oh my god, I <laughs> I love cats. My parents then had a cat. I'm soup soups into cats. Okay, I like cats. I mean, I think like probably it's an assumption. You know what I mean? Lesbian, I like cats. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I mean, like I. You know, I know other people can get even more into cats. I have a friend who's probably had 50 cats. Now we know people can get more into cats. <laughs> right. And that can get problematic, right. if we're being honest. Right. Yes. I've never had more than two at a time. <laughs> is that from Betsy? Yes. Okay. I mean, the bitch has probably had three cats a year for the last 45 years. So I, you know, my sister had three cats at one time. Oh, my God. I never knew that. Yep. Happy birthday, Leslie. Yes. Happy birthday, <laughs> Leslie. But she certainly had three. I think that at this point they've all died. But she had three cats at one point And, you know, I get it. Well, maybe we should have sent her a cat for her birthday and said, <laughs> sorry, because that's the thing you have to do whenever you get anyone a pet that they didn't ask for is you just apologize. Right. 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 I mean, I've had my dad. I got my mom a poodle and my dad actually got like mad at me for like didn't speak to me for a week. I was like, well, this is a bonus. Who knew this was going to be the great part of getting the gift? I'm going to get them a pet every, 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 every year. So um, I I certainly people don't like cats. They don't like what cats the cats. They scratch. They fuck up your furniture. They go wherever they want. The my our cat will walk on your food he'll walk on your they walk everywhere they they own everything now for me i don't mind that i don't i don't mind it he can go when i'm cooking i don't care if he stands on the counter i don't care i like it cutting board stove all of it the couch looks like (laughs) freddy freddy krueger came in here and we survived True. I have never seen. Yeah, I mean that the is level. A, that's a problem. <laughs> like, that is a problem. There's stuffing coming out of it. There there's is foam coming out of it. But now I feel that that is my problem to deal with. The, that's not the cat's problem. The cat is doing what the cat knows to do. It is my responsibility to either put like plastic on the couch or figure out a way, whether I spray or whatever. And sometimes nothing works because they just do what they do. That is what a cat does. Now. A cat cleans itself, and part of its cleaning regimen is to clean its paws and its nails. They like to take care of their nails. So, and when they take care of their nails, what they're doing... <laughs> I like to take care of my nails, too. <laughs> That's right. And part of what they're doing when they're scratching up the furniture is they are um, sharpening their nails. <laughs> their talons, so talons. they can kill. And that is dumpling is a murdering asshole (laughs) he lives for the kill he lives lives for the hunt lives love no one can relax because he needs to creep up and (laughs) stress out the dogs that they're gonna get their throat slit yeah and then they go to attack him and Mm. then he jumps high up onto the ledge of the tv (laughs) and i'm just like dumpling (laughs) fuck off this is not hunting time it's not murder time Mm -hmm. i'm trying to relax you just gave me a cardiac arrest (laughs) go exactly now some people who like cats apparently or don't like some of the things with cats like their claws and them clawing up their furniture will have the cat declawed now what does that mean that well nobody likes a white trash cat scratch either plus there's that scratches up my arms i'm like great (laughs) yeah no he's got just earlier today was he started a thing where he then they'll they clamp onto your hand and bite it and then mash it up with their talons all right again 
That's what they do. <laughs> so you either get into it or don't have a cat. They can all be annoying. I don't want my furniture to look like that. No, they're, they're definitely all annoying. Right. And I certainly don't need scratches all over me or to be scared and tormented in the night. Well, some people think, well, I'll get the cat to Claude and then everything will be fine. Now, declawing is a misleading term because it's you then think all that means is just you're just like removing w- the nails. F- fingernails like us. Right. However, and I'm still not convinced, to be honest. OK, so according to and I don't want my fingernails removed. I uh, think that oh would be very God. uncomfortable. I hate when I even cut them too short. Um, everything that and we have fingernails for a reason and they have nails for a reason. Right. Even if they're just inside and never go outside. However, if it accidentally gets outside and it doesn't have its um, nails, death time, it's dead. Yeah, you're, so, you're done. You're done for, homie. Um, first of all, you're going to forget you don't have nails and try to fucking jam on the tree, tree and you jump high and fall to your and death fall, as well. Yeah, that's right. Also, a cat's nails or their claws are attached to bones in their paws. So declawing it actually involves amputating the first knuckle of the cat's um, actual toe or finger or whatever. So you don't just take out the nail. You have to take out the bone, too. So you're actually amputating. It would be like if you amputated half of your entire finger. She told us, Beth Ostrowski, Howard Stern's wife, told us via the computer by not even talking to us that it was amputating all the way down to here. To your first knuckle. So it would be like amputating half of your hand off. Declawing leads to chronic pain. Cats have to adjust to walking on their surgically altered feet. It also prohibits uh, like they can't then attach to things. They can't. Their instinct is fucked with and it's painful. I want to tell you that New York became the first state in America to outlaw cat declawing. And I was very happy to hear this because it is absolutely inhumane. We shouldn't be doing it. And what I also want to tell you is that even though America, the most civilized number one place on the planet, um, and especially like for animal rights and stuff, let me tell you the countries where um, uh, they don't allow cat decline. Yeah. England, Scotland, Wales, Italy, Austria, Switzerland, Norway, Sweden, Ireland, Denmark, Finland, Slovenia, where Melania's from, Brazil, Australia, New Zealand, Serbia, Montenegro, Macedonia, Slovenia, France, Germany, Bosnia, Malta, Netherlands, Northern Ireland, Portugal, Belgium, Israel. Wow. Okay. Wow. And that's outrageous. This is the first state in this country to outlaw cat decline. Macedonia has gotten there before America has. Okay. We should be ashamed of ourselves. But the fact that New York finally did it, I'm sure that other states will follow. California, if you're listening, the fact that you weren't the first, you really need to slap yourself in the face. And uh, I'm just really happy to hear that because the cat declining is absolutely ridiculous. Should never have happened. And if you don't want a cat that has claws, just don't get a cat. So there's that. So that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Politics. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast week after week, even though I know only probably two people are still even listening to this part. (laughs) We are so grateful for all 14 of our listeners. We really, really, really appreciate you being here, even if you don't sign up for our Patreon podcast. (laughs) 
Um, but please sign up for our Patreon <laughs> podcast. Go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics. It's only $1 for a whole extra hour podcast per week, and it's completely different from this one. Or you can sign up for $2 and get two bonus podcasts per week. Come on. And I know that paying for shit is annoying. I definitely would not sign up for it. <laughs> I hate fucking any kind of like subscription thing. It mm-hmm. bugs. Um, you know, but... We still have to pressure you and beg you and shame you and FOMO you. <laughs> That's right. We also need to beg you and shame you into writing us an iTunes review if you haven't yet. We're trying to make some big moves here with this podcast and that requires lying, which requires fake evidence, <laughs> which will come in the form of many, many fake reviews. So please go on iTunes and help us with this fraud. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. <laughs> but mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And Carnegie. Oh, American <laughs> Carnegie. Go Texas. Yeah. How'd you do, I? See, you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover I'm not much of a man By the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania Let me show you a rhyme Maybe Play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Or if you want something visual, that's not too abysmal. We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual... Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Night. Or maybe a bite. Night. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. 
But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> 